Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Thank you for those that have been listening to our whiskey rambles for the past six episodes. This is a big one, guys. It's only taken us seven episodes, but eventually we are doing this in person. Daz, give me a crisp high five to prove... Oh, that was a terrible that high five. That was the worst high five. Let's go get it. There you go. That was nice. Everyone can hear that one. Um, yeah, so we're actually doing this in person, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's really cool, man. Not only are we doing this in the same room as one another, we also are going to be joined by a couple of our old pals. Um, and we're really excited because... This is really, really special. They've j- literally just launched a whiskey last week called Woven. Uh, one of the newest, one of the hottest new whiskies to come out in, in recent times. It's a really interesting story. So we're going to be joined by the guys that have created Woven. And we're going to hear a little bit more about their story and how they came up with this crazy idea, start their own whiskey brand and things. But not only that, one of the things that I am massively interested in is the history of whiskey in this particular area. So Woven have a little blending lab uh, down in Leith and Leith has a massive part to play in the story and the history of whiskey. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that, have a chat about what's cool about Leith, what's happening down here, old distilleries, new distilleries, new whiskies coming out of this area, which is really, really nice. Indeed, mate. So stay tuned, guys. It's going to be a good one. Let me firstly introduce our special, special guests. A couple of great friends of ours, uh, Pete and Dunk, who have worked in the whiskey industry for quite a long time and have decided to go out on their own and create their own blending house here in Leith. And as we were chatting earlier, Mitch obviously is a foreigner. He lives over in Fife and he's obviously (laughs) geographically challenged when it comes to Leith and he keeps referring to Leith as Edinburgh, which will of course upset the natives massively. So Edinburgh is different to Leith. They are two separate places. I just want to establish that. Can I just rewind a little bit? You're a Fifer as well though. Yeah, but I live here. Okay, so like, some kind of native. You get a pass, right? Yeah, I do get a pass. So me being born here doesn't. That doesn't okay. matter. No, right. you went to school here as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, mate. Yeah. Not, not in Leith, though. So no, not well. in Leith because you went to school in Edinburgh, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So Edinburgh is different, and I've got a great story actually, just to highlight the fact that they are very, very different places. Not so far away from where we're sat, there was a bar called the Boundary Bar, and the Boundary Bar has a brass a brass line which runs right the way through the middle of the pub. And on one side of the pub, it was under the Edinburgh licensing laws. And on the other side of the pub, it was under the Leith licensing laws. So one side of the pub would shut at 11 and they would ring the bell. And people had to move to the other side of the bar to drink for that extra hour through to 12 o'clock when the Edinburgh side would actually close. So that's a brilliant story just about the differences between what Leith and Edinburgh actually are. 
Now, Leith has a really, really rich history when it comes to distilling and storing and warehousing of whiskies, and, and I'm sure that the guys will have lots of great tales and stories as to why they were inspired to bring blending back to this part of the world. But I've got some really pointless, useless facts that will definitely not get you laid. It's time for Mitch and Daz's interesting Scotch whiskey facts that definitely won't get you laid. Not too many, just a couple. And I'm going to rattle them off nice and quickly. So, in Edinburgh, there were over 100 bonded warehouses. And where we are sat right now, there were loads of them. Uh, Bonnington Distillery was across the way. The guys were telling me there was warehousing directly opposite where we are sat right now. So, this was a really important part of whiskey production going back. We were actually drinking a VAT 69 earlier on, um, and that was a great example of some of the whiskies that were produced down here in Edinburgh. In 1883, there were six distilleries here in Leith, a lot of grain distilleries as well. You know, a lot of that spirit was produced and sent down south to be turned into gin. Uh, a lot of it was stored here and turned into whiskies. And of course, you know, distilleries like the Yardhead, the Bonnington Distillery, these places where we are sat right now are all part of that whiskey fabric, that story of Leith. Now, Mitch, I think you've got some bits and pieces on the history of this area in particular before we jump over to the guys. Is that right? Well, no, mate. It's more about, um, you know, it's cool looking at the history and everything, but I think when we're looking at modern day whiskey making in Edinburgh, it's really interesting right now. You, you know, you've got uh, the Port of Leith distillery, which is just two seconds down the road from here, um, is, which is going to be Scotland's first vertical distillery that's, that's being made right now. Um, then you've got the Bonnington distillery, which has come back to life, which is uh, the, the guys who you know have the, the Krabby's brand. They're revitalizing that, that brand, so to speak, uh, and that's, that, that's coming back in. And, and one of the distilleries that we've talked about a few times on, on this podcast is uh, Hollywood. Uh, you know, so you've got all Which is in Edinburgh. On, which is in Edinburgh. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, one of the things as well that's been happening, which is just outside of Edinburgh, is Glen Kinchy. Uh, you know, the rejuvenation of that. So there's loads going on when it comes to whiskey making in Edinburgh right now in sort of modern times. Um, so I think without any further ado, I want to get the lads from Woven on here. Um, you know, guys, let's start off with that. While we're on the kind of history of what's going on in it, you know, you know down in Leith, uh, I take it that was kind of fundamental to you guys setting up your little HQ here, which is fantastic by the way and thanks for uh, letting us pop in here and do this with you no welcome welcome it's uh, i was about to say it's lovely to be here but yeah we're here a lot at the moment um but no it's great to have uh, other people in it apart from myself and pete because uh, we've spent a lot of time together over the last <laughs> year but um yeah leith was always part of the the start of it we used to geek out and walk down the water of leith from uh, dean village in edinburgh and then you know, you come down and as whiskey geeks, you sort of get excited by just the the architecture of old warehouses, wherever you see them, and you start thinking, oh, I wonder what was there, I wonder what was there. And the more we looked into it, you know, and there was the only real um, proof of it was this tiny little placard outside the Scotch Whiskey Society in the vaults, which itself is an amazing building and amazing history, but there's a tiny little placard that just explains about Leith being the whiskey district. And at the time, we were working in bars, drinking whiskey in our spare time, you know, trying to get into doing fun things with whiskey. And um, yeah, I guess the idea for doing something in Leith, we've got a presentation from 2010 that was about bringing blending back to Leith, but in a sort of fun, exciting mm -hmm. way. 
and then of course it's one of those things real life gets in the way and we all moved on but it was an idea that sort of refused to go away and every time we bumped into each other uh, in far flung corners of the world on a sort of global drink circuit the same thing would come up again and go oh yeah we should look at it and then um, you know one day we were all found ourselves in a blending room at the same time sort of working our way through a parcel of stock for um, uh, an indie bottler and we sort of went should we? And then uh, a couple of weeks later, Pete turned up with a business plan and it was like, oh, that's the conversation taking a turn it's never <laughs> taken before. And we sort of got a meeting in Milroy's of Soho um, in their beautiful classroom on the top floor. And we said, you know, are we actually serious about this? Do we all think we could do this? Have we got enough experience? And yeah, but from the start, it was always about doing something in Leaf because uh, I think that's where the, the story had to begin for us. The fact that the that the wear a blender, it could only really be Leith with your old Hague and uh, and that sixty nine and everything being down here. I'm sure everyone wants to know like what the background is of Duncan and Pete. So, Duncan, we were laughing earlier on about how the fact that that we've almost had the same career paths, starting off in hospitality in Edinburgh back in the day. Uh, so. Brief overview, you guys go. Career history of both of you. Yeah, sure. Well, we I guess the common thread, I suppose, is that we all fell into the industry through bartending uh, in Edinburgh. Um, amazing hospitality scene, and it seemed like everyone that graduated out of the scene into brand world sort of turned back and helped the next generation get into that world as well. So um, I went from bars to uh, working on... Um, Whiskies at Diageo, then gin at Diageo, then gin at William Grant and Sons on Hendrix, and that's where I sort of, I say, learnt learnt the most, I suppose, and was there for for a decent period of time, and then came out the other side uh, and jumped into small craft brands at Atom, uh, and there I sort of reconnected with two sort of lifelong friends and Nick and Pete, and and that's where we started talking about doing something together. That's cool, man. It's, I was thinking about this the other night, actually. I think we chatted about it when we, when we talked. You know, talking about our bartender days, everyone went from being bartenders, well, not everyone, but a lot of our good friends went from being bartenders to opening up their, their own bars. And now it's like all our whiskey friends are going from being ambassadors or, or you know, almost that like corporate within the whiskey industry to doing their own thing, making their own whiskey or starting their own company, which is, which is really cool. Um, Pete, what about yourself? Uh, well, I guess my... My story is pretty similar to Duncan in that I uh, I started in uh, in the Edinburgh bar scene. I'd love to actually hear like a, a a rundown of what everybody's done from the Edinburgh bars because it seems like everybody that sticked to booze in some way has done something incredible. We've got you know world's best fifty bars and brand managers and everything in in between. So yeah, that'd be cool. But uh, but yeah, my 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 background started off in bars in Edinburgh. Uh, before going into uh, beer with uh, Innocent Gun and then Sherry and Spirits with Gonzalez Bias and Tio Pepe, uh, which was an incredible few years, and then um, and then moved out to the Middle East uh, to Dubai, where I was uh, looking after uh, some stuff for the Macallan uh, with 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 uh, a much younger Daryl Haldane. Okay. <laughs> and uh, looking. Yeah. yeah, better look at yeah, skinnier, yeah. Yeah, yeah, skinnier with longer hair. Yeah, uh, and then um, and then yeah, like like Duncan said, just uh, was doing craft brands with uh, with Atom Brands. I was in their American business unit. 
let's talk about a little bit of a backstory. You know, you guys have got these amazing bottles. I love the story behind it as well. It's really interesting. I think it's very compelling in a world right now that is saturated by new releases of whiskey, I'd say. Uh, you know, what I love about what you guys have done is that there's something very different about your tone of voice and about what you guys are saying. So give us the whole backstory. Tell us how this whole idea came around and you guys blend it. Well, uh, I suppose there's not really one answer. We, I mean, I met Nick behind the bar in Voodoo and I was fascinated by his story that he had come over from New Zealand to work in Scotland uh, because he wanted to learn whiskey. And I was like... So just to explain, Nick isn't here right now. No, he's one of our yeah. co-founders yeah. um, and he's currently sort of uh, the managing director of Holyrood Distillery. Um, so he's wearing many hats, but um, Pete and I have sort of set this up with his guidance in the background and we've got two other founders as well who, who have various skills and the plan is that one day this will be big enough to give us all a job but for now um, it's it's just me and my work wife Pete yeah um, but uh, so we, we were having a chat in staff drinks and he pulled out his book and and it was all about whiskey and I was like you love whiskey too and you know it was it almost felt weird it was at an age where everyone was interested in all the spirits from the other parts of the world and no one gave two hoots about what was happening in Scotch and that's partly on Scotch for doing a terrible job of you know being relevant to uh, the next generation of, of Scotch whiskey drinkers in Scotland um, and, and partly through the image that Scotch was cultivating to sell itself which was all about you know heather and weather and hills and stills and you know so we we had some ideas we did some whiskey parties called whiskey picnic and you know pete was a, a great friend as well and and then when we went through to working in brands we sort of there's a global drink circuit and you bump into people and i remember pete was doing events for me when i was at diageo and then at william grant and every time you know I was like, Pete, what do you want to do with your life? You know, you can't just... You know. <laughs> I don't want to do... Are you like his counsellor? You're studying a lot of questions. Don't ask that on the podcast, please. <laughs> he he got, uh, got the answers. <laughs> Pete used to have a phrase he used to try out saying, what would Dunk do? I did. That's all. Yeah, but really. we, were, we were just friends and, and um, you know, but enjoyed working together and we're like, you know, what, what are we going to do? What's, what's next? And, and Pete goes, I want to start a whiskey company. And it was like, okay, you're now part of the, the, the plan. And the plan was just, you know, every time we bumped into each other, we'd say, oh, we should do this thing. And it could be like this. And it was one of those conversations you have with your friends that is never going to go anywhere because you're all doing completely different things. At this time, Nick was at Martin Bowmore and then he went out to the Nordics to work for a big distributor out there. And then he came back to work for Atom and started building a team and brought basically everyone that he thought should play on that team in. And that's where me, Pete and Nick suddenly find ourselves, you know, seeing each other much more frequently. And those ideas that had never gone away started to sort of germinate uh, and, and grow little roots. And we said, maybe, maybe not, but we were busy, we were doing other things, we were having lots of um, different experiences. And, and then it somehow just clicked one day and Pete turned up with a business plan uh, and we were like whoa that's that's something that's never happened that has moved this into a different sort of conversation so we said should we put a weekly call in the diary and see if you know in a month's time we still think that this is a good idea and if it is you know we probably do have enough experiences you know to <laughs> so we were like okay well and actually starting a whiskey company 
is the really easy bit. But for a long time, you're a whiskey company with no money and no whiskey. But you know, you just <laughs> register it, and then it's done, and it's real, and that sort of focuses it. And you know, I I totally understand why there are not many startups in the whiskey space when you compare it to craft beer or gin, mm. because it's really hard and it's so protected. There's a lot of mistrust about cask sales and pyramid schemes and and you know there's never been more indie bottlers but you know the the distilleries are are becoming more and more skeptical of who they sell their cask to and, and wanting to know so it's been a hell of a journey uh and a really fun one and there are people out there who as soon as we told them what we want to do were really supportive and are breaking all their you know minimum order quantity rules and making things available to us that we've got no right to ask for given mm. our lack of scale and you know our newness but um, I think because we've all done different things in different areas there's there's a fair amount of trust that we're going to try and do the right thing by the liquid and by the distilleries and you know as soon as we say we want to be a platform for the modern you know whiskey movement and not just take you know the bulk blending stock that that is available but actually try and do something different and tell a very different story you know people go okay that's interesting and it sort of seems that this is something that loads of people want to do or would like to see happen in blending and our mindset is very much like a rising tide lifts all ships if we can do this right the whole blending industry which is currently on this sort of downward spiral of quality and you know it's becoming sort of not what it used to be and, and you know we were tasting old blends at the time and we we're thinking wow these used to be awesome and, and I feel like everyone's addicted to the single malt you know constant premiumization 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 and that's where we felt there was a real opportunity to take great quality liquids but blend them and try and elevate the, the, the art or the craft of, of blending we wanted to create a, a human scale blending company that was about people it was about that creativity it was about building a community and and trying not just to put leaf back on the blending map but to showcase modern Scotland and modern creativity and the sort of startup collaborative culture that is everywhere in Scotland, but we didn't think was that represented in this national product. It's really cool because six days ago, you released your first product. And um, if you look at the history around here, Ballantines, Johnny Walker, Crabbies, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Glava was created in 1947 mm -hmm. around on Constitution Street. Uh, we've got all of these giants in whiskey all massively associated to Leith. How does it make you feel that Woven, six days ago, uh, becomes part of that history? That's that's quite massive, really. Totally. And I think, well, I, I guess we wouldn't ever compare ourselves, not in like a pretentious way, but, you know, we are a startup. We're doing it for free at the moment, yeah. you know. We've managed to get a first parcel of stock and chuck it into a bottle, but you know I think those were dynasties, and and that was partly what drove us to want to do it in Leith was the amazing legacy left by you know the building that we're looking out of this window at was the original uh, Hague Distillery. It was the first distillery in Scotland, or one of the first, maybe the third, depending on who you ask. Um, you know we've got the new Bonington Distillery on the other side, but then you know everywhere you go here, there's remnants of an amazing history of whiskey that just literally evaporated through mergers and conglomerates and it sort of ripped the soul out of 
Leith in, in many ways for probably generations, but also, um, you know, the fact that whiskey isn't connected to communities in the same way uh, in its sort of modern industrial ilk, you know, arguably could be said to have ripped the soul out of whiskey in, in, as, at the same time. So we, we, when we put our web store live the other day, we took a vintage bottle of VAT 69, which we reckon was probably bottled down on Constitution Street. Um, and walked down the street, you know, going, wow, you know, we've done it, we've, we've made blends, we've got them in bottle. And it's a, it's a simple process, but it's so unobtainable to mm. a couple of ex-bartenders yeah. who had a bit of brand experience and, you know, a lot of, well, some experience in, in whiskey. But it was, you know, a dream come true moment. And, and, you know, being able to stand on the shoulders of giants is Pete's sort of um, phrase that is super cool. And we're just so happy to be doing it because... It's it's fun. The people that we've brought together, just even in our tiny little project, is like a little collective of, you know, that I think is so representative of how vibrant this community now is. And for whiskey to be back in that is is really cool. Um, um, we've had such a cool reception from everyone in Leith because you know we're not claiming to be putting Leith back on the map. It never went away. Scotch Malt Whiskey site has been there for ages. You know, there's there's um, loads of little brands dotted about the place and, and distilleries as well now. Let's talk about the name and the branding. And, and I love the fact you guys have gone for naming these experiences as opposed to, you know, some, some random kind of name or, or anything else like that. So let's talk about where you guys got the name from and, and, and what does it mean, the experience, when, when we look at the woven bottles? Yeah, essentially we realised that our story, you know, we were crisscrossed our paths as people, like we met each other and, and every time we met and hung out, you know, it was infrequent, unplanned, often like short encounters and there'd be always whiskey involved and lots of our best sort of whiskey moments weren't necessarily about, you know, whether the angle of the line arm was, uh, four, you know, three degree incline and that meant there was more reflex it was like what was happening outside the glass or who we were with or why we were together or what we were celebrating and for us that that sort of duality of experience with whiskey where you can get super geeky about it but there's also the times where you just enjoy it for what it is and you enjoy the experience of it and one can sometimes corrupt the other so if you're too focused on you know wondering and you see this a lot of whiskey festivals and that's probably you know where we spent a lot of time as brand people where people are so obsessed about the what that they sort of forget about the why and yeah. for us drinking whiskey was always partly about the experience you know the social aspect and, and trying to almost just enjoy what was going on so we when we were thinking about the brand the idea of woven and something you know it speaks to blends in terms of something being bigger than some of its parts or many things coming together to make a, a whole picture or whatever it, it was an it was a inspired sort of word that that we felt represented the fabric of Scotland and that was something that we were you know trying to, to cultivate in, in what we stood for as a company um, and then the whole experience thing was just about trying to distance ourselves because people as soon as you say it's a blend a lot of people go oh, I don't drink blends you know and it's like well actually if you taste it and, and it came from I went to a tasting and watched Dave Broom put a bunch of single malts down and then a Johnny Walker black label and at the end of the tasting you know, it was a crescendo malt in the tasting and he didn't tell anyone that it was 
a blend and they were all you know having a great time with it going this is exceptional the complexity the layers of depth and then he went oh and by the way it's a blend and everyone was you know what's going on i can't believe i've been tricked you've corrupted my palate you know but it but it was a point that i think stuck with me and i think anyone that's worked in whiskey will have similar experiences and similar stories of of you know perception and perceptions reality and, and so the whole thing was just trying to get people to experience what's in the glass you guys are going to do a tasting for us you're going to do 90 seconds take, taking us through the uh the tasting notes of each four of these, which I'm kind of, I'm, I'm quite excited seeing the boys do this. Yeah, this is going to be a bit challenge. Pressure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of pressure. But before you guys do that, let's talk about you know experience one, two, three, four. What kind of whiskey drinker would go for these different experiences, in your opinions? You know, like take it from, take us through one, two, and three, and four individually, and and, and do it that way. Well, I guess that the common thing about all of them is that they're flavor forward, you know, experiences, we wanted them to have impact, you know, they're not, they're not bulked out, which is a common perception of blending. We, we're not trained as blenders, you know, we've spent lots of time mm -hmm. in blending labs with blenders, we've done lots of innovation for, for brands, but we don't have that, that you know, sixth blender in the company's five generation history sort of schooling. So, you know, we were trained as bartenders in terms of flavor and, and that has informed our techniques and our practices. So you're going to get flavor forward blends that, you know, we look for the common thing in all of them is, you know, uh, overusing the word now, but an experience, you know, a start, middle and end. The benchmark we set ourselves was, you know, is it yummy? <laughs> and we got a small parcel of stock. We laid out a huge grid on this table and just looked for interesting starter combinations it was very crude they were sort of 50 50 ratio you know and then uh and that was of malts and and grains um so not that's not a malt to grain ratio but just flavor combinations and we sort of used a color coding of post-it notes found favorites and, and used the starting points of those ideas to build out different things and at the end we ended up with sort of six different options we narrowed it down to four and then we started looking at the pragmatics of you know okay well we can optimize that add this take away that um, use that in that one rather than that one and you know it sort of grew so our first collection is four whiskies that you know they're all flavor forward they they all grew their own personalities after we'd made the liquid or in the process of making the liquid so we didn't set out to make a smoky one, a fruity one, a you know expensive old one. You know that wasn't our agenda. We were just led by flavor, and they sort of wrote themselves through what we had to work with and what we ended up with. So experience one is, uh, I, I guess, it's our modus operandi. It's our first whiskey, um, and it's based around a smoky Isla little octave that was heavily sherried. So you get loads of this sherry coming through but we married or we we paired that with quite a young vibrant grain there was a bit of a gap between so we had to bridge that with some island whiskey and a bit of space side as well and it created a very very balanced rounded quite moorish sort of chocolatey vanillary smoky whiskey I've got a lot of uh, lovely creamy characters coming through in this one. It's almost like a slightly richer version of a Kalila kind of Port Askegi mm. type single malt. You know, really clean, 
but that little bit of cream and buttery is really pleasant. Yeah. 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 It smokes. The smoke's there, but it's not a super punchy smoke. No. It's just nicely simmering in the background. Yeah. Exactly. We didn't want to make something that was extreme smoke because I think that would have just been. I mean, in in terms of our 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 journey to 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 get to yummy, it perhaps wouldn't be there. You can get something that's too astringent, too sharp, too bitter. We wanted this to be on the softer side of smoke, but still very much in that, you know, you can tell it's got a bit of Isla in there, but it's not too much. Two, experience number two. So let's talk about this, Pete. Yeah, so this is called our Smiling Whiskey. Um, and really it's on the much brighter side of the scale. So um, so what we used uh, uh, was this beautiful, quite youthful uh, Campbelltown blend that, that we got a parcel of. Um, which was stunning and um, and what went fantastically with that was this really quite old like almost as old as us um, uh, Highland grain and together you got the like the the high notes of the Campbelltown and you got the low notes of the grain the grain added tons of texture the Campbelltown added loads of fruit um, and we married it in a 30 year old cognac cask so it gave loads of like creme brulee hugs to this lovely lovely combination smiley whiskey Favorite. i like that Daz, if you were a whiskey this is what you'd be yeah smiley. yellow's my favorite color as well so i'm automatically attracted to this what's really interesting i think is the abv as well on the nose i get lots of bonbon lots of lemon um a lovely highland grain i think we know where that one might be from um, but at 45.2 that little bit of lifted abv is quite unusual in blends uh, and you guys are definitely looking at that as the the flavoury the flavour delivery uh, comes through the ABV, doesn't it? And so you're not scrimping on that either, which is great to see. We yeah, we didn't want a chill filter, and um, the reason people say that chill filtering you know is great is because it stops hazing and uh, and things like that. We've got a brown bottle, so it didn't really matter. But you know, there's various schools of thought that suggest that you know when you chill filter you do lose something in terms of the texture or the flavor of the whiskey you know the fine of the filter etc so we just thought we're not going to go near that we didn't have a chill filter facility keeping the abv above 46 47 uh with everything sort of allows us to to keep all that good stuff in so also a abv when it's marrying in in the cask you know we we tend to bring our ABV down gradually, which is a process taken from cognac, um, but it preserves a lot of that mouthfeel that, uh, that that you get. So we're able to play around with the ABVs both for uh, for what Dunk said, but also in terms of the, the, the mouthfeel, texture, and the flavor as well. So it's quite a good tool to be able to, to manage. Mm, very good. Yeah, big fan of that. That was my favorite. When I came down a month or whenever it was ago, that was the one that you were talking about yellow, you were talking about smiley, happy whiskey. That was the one I remember from trying those samples. And that's uh, really interesting to see the finished product because it definitely changed a bit. Oh, yeah. It's very good. They basically yeah. had you at yellow, though, didn't they? They had me at yellow. Yeah. Sorry, well, I'm easy. The, the original, when we, when we first made it on the table, it, its working title was Sunny Leaf because mm. it was just like foam bananas, fresh, yeah, fruity, yeah. yummy. And, you know, the banana flats and leaf are iconic. And, you know, this was because it had you know a heart of young malt it was our sort of most vibrant feisty and the day that we went to Holyrood where's where we, we are effectively gypsy blenders 
using other people's facilities and Hollywood, who I know you've talked about, amazingly kind, helpful, supportive. Uh, we use their warehouse facilities and they had just emptied this cognac cask that had held a cognac for 30 years and they were rolling it into their sort of redundant cask area and we said you know it's covered in straw because it runs on rails in cognac like this cask is old old mm-hmm. and uh, we said what are you doing with that and they said oh well you know we'll check with the owner but it's probably obsolete and we said well and it was a massive gamble but you know we said can we have it and they went yeah sure so we made the split decision that this whiskey was you know vibrant and fruity would you know we stuck our noses in the cask and and it was amazing um and uh, we thought, well, yeah, let's go for it. So it had 110 days in there, and it just gave it an extra dimension. And the finish is just all age cognac, you know, incredible. Experience number three, because that wasn't 90 seconds on experience number two. Mm. So, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Too much to say. I so tried to keep it quick. Experience three is funky, eh? Uh, it's different. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty out there. So experience three, we're calling modern nostalgia, and... Um, and we built this whiskey around a little, like, proper pocket rocket of a uh, of a Speyside uh, worm tub, uh, little octave, sherry octave. Um, it had loads of character, everything shouting at the same time, going off on one. Um, and our job was to tame it. So, uh, so what we did was we we made what we call a super grain, which was our old highland uh, grain whiskey and a more youthful uh, lowland grain whiskey and we had those together so we had the space side malt and our super grain um, which sort of m- balanced each other out really nicely and tempered those dry sherry bits but then we needed a sort of a rope bridge so we added a little bit of smoke through a through a, a an, an isla uh, malt just like five percent of it or so which kind of brought the two together. We put it into a uh, into a, an ex Highland uh, single malt cask for about a hundred days. At about day forty, day fifty, we took a sample and it tasted so different from the whiskey that we put in. We were going, okay, is this is this right? Is, is this right? Have we done it? Have we done it right? Um, but we stuck to our guns, we let it stay there, and what developed was this really sandalwood uh, kind of you get the you get the you get lots of minerality, so you get sort of the, this this chalky calcium sort of sort of flavour. Um, almost that if I, if I dare say that that old Macallan sort of profile that you sort of got from those seventies bottlings. Um, and it sort of became this nostalgic whiskey that that, that, that has quite a lot of sort of layers going on in it yes it's, it, from the first two it's much richer there's no doubt about that and, I, and I, I get that little hint of there's a feels like there's a hint of smoke there but it's almost like that um slightly wet smoke quite leafy you know yeah. when you get that kind of garden bonfire a little bit of sort of this this is one like the second sip is where this sings and i've never had that like normally you taste the whiskey and you're like oh i've tasted it this one you taste it again and it's a completely different experience yeah. from what you first get and I think this will, I don't know if it'll divide people, you know, we, we don't want to make whiskies that is just, you know, a surefire hit for everyone, because then we'll just be doing what other blenders are already doing really, really well. We want to sort of try and bottle flavours in whisky that 
appear often in whiskey but are never bottled as products and wood and, and this sort of pencily fresh wood note is something that um, you know you do find in lots of old old whiskies uh, and that meatiness that we got from the Speyside unnameable worm tub distillery uh, was like a real beast and, and trying to put those two things together was for sure a challenge and this is one that we've had the best feedback about and the worst feedback about you know someone yeah. going that's not the sort of whiskey I like drinking and other people going I read it I thought I'd like it and I've now bought four bottles number three for me is that whiskey that is for a whiskey drinker who is kind of way down the road on their, their journey of drinking whiskey mm, right yeah. I mean it's it's so different for me that's like very very unusual and I've drunk a lot of whiskeys in my life um, there's a lot going on there. I, I want to sit with that one for a long time. And I, just see what's yeah, going on. I think like I the first two, I, I think I could probably give them to anybody, explain it to them, and then we go get it, like it. It's great. Experience three for me is probably linked more to uh, an occasion. It, it, I can imagine an autumn's evening, a little bit later on at night, on a on a catch up with one of my mates or something like that. You know, around the fire and really enjoying that in that particular moment. Whereas the other two, I could probably drink at any point in the day for any reason. Do you know what I mean? That one yeah, is like, what? It's just interesting. You want to sit and you do want to analyse it that yeah, little totally. bit. It kind of brings out the geek in you going, where is that flavour coming from? <laughs> That's weird. It's wonderful. I want to understand it more, you know? I think I think it was actually... I think I even heard this from you, by the way, Daryl. But uh, I think you said that every whiskey tells a story, but some stories are a paragraph and other stories are, are you know... A, I attributed it to you by mistake yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think this is definitely one of those ones that, 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 that tells a much longer story than perhaps you get very very quickly on you know on, on that first nose or sip um, but I think it's absolutely banging like it's it's, it's a cool whiskey uh, and good fun right guys so experience number four he's going to take us through this peep Number four is our little cherry on top of our big whiskey cake. Um, we only did 28 bottles of it. Um, and so what we did was we when, we, when we bought our first parcel of stock, we got um, just a little jerry can of super aged grain. Like we're not really allowed to talk about the, the age or, the, or where it's from or whatever, but let's say it's, it's a, a lot older than me and maybe one of us put together. So very, very old whiskey super woody super caramelized it was almost like a pouring treacle and we used that and we paired it with a, a younger grain from the same distillery and we had about 50 50 um, but there was this there was this little gap in between it tasted great but it needed to to to, to marry together and to enhance that marriage what we did was we used uh, again a little bit of isla whiskey which just bridged it. it just brought those two together really really nicely and so it could have been a vatted or a single grain actually but we just added a touch of this smoky isla whiskey that had a touch of a little bit of sherry as well and it's created just this the most elegant old like this is age slow motion in a glass it's got tannins. it's so big yeah. and it's it, it's just completely coated my mouth mm -hmm. and this was the weird one because we were blending with whiskey, you know, blending with whiskey's older than you. You're like, 
you're under a lot of pressure to not mess it up. You know, the, this stuff would go into the indie bottler market and sell for hundreds of pounds a bottle, and we're we're blending with it. Are you serious? Mm. So it was like high pressure, but we've got the the raw materials for it, and you guys should totally taste them. And if anyone swings by the studio, they can gladly too. We fixed a whiskey worth hundred of pounds and made it better because at forty two years of age, it was broken. It had had too long in cask. And, you just and told the age. That's yeah. okay. I think we can say that. Yeah. Can we say the age? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it it was it was it you know it was dead and and the project was about restoring it. So we we tried various ages from there down of of pairing it with something from the same distillery to try and revive it. And the sweet spot was twenty five, and so it's it's well aged whiskey. Uh, and then that little bit of malt just to give it something to to bridge. It's like the classic car, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you if it hasn't been looked after properly, it will you it will be beyond repair. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're going to repair one of these classic cars, sometimes you do need to use new parts to yeah. get it back up and running. You know, ready for fit for purpose for the modern day uses. And this whiskey. It's delicious. Maybe, maybe you did say that. I might have done that. That's yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's after four whiskeys, they all come out. Yeah. But when I, was it, when I was nosing it, I was getting loads of fruit and nut, but like an adult version of the fruit and nut. So, you know, for mm. those of you who are not in the UK, we've got this sweet, the fruit and nuts, a chocolate bar with raisins and salted nuts in it. It's delicious. But this is like an adult version of that. Darker chocolates, saltier nuts, fruitier raisins. And it really has that lovely spicy note on the finish, doesn't it? It's got that lovely astringency where you feel the age, you feel time in casks. It's um, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Not gonna lie. And yeah. I think we we've kept enough of the casks to you know we want to deconstruct this one in front of people and let them taste the individual parts and then taste it together and like tell me blending is a waste of time mm. or blending yeah. isn't for yeah. you when challenge. you've done that and you know we'll give you you know it's, I mean, it's just. Guys, you've done an incredible job on the whiskies. You've done an absolutely shit job on describing them in 90 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, guys, so you're a new company, and this may be a very hard question right now. I know you're only six, maybe seven days old at the moment, but uh, what's the future? What's what's the end goal? Where do you see Woven in five years' time? I think it will write itself just through how it's received and how it goes, but we, we make no bones about it that, Every country that enjoys Scotch whiskey is now pretty much producing really high quality whiskey from their own market. And New World whiskey is a thing, and a lot of New World whiskey markets would benefit from a blending industry. So rather than follow the normal Scotch route of knocking on everyone's door, telling them that Scotch is the best because it's always been the best, we want to go places and make whiskies with people in those countries. So Blending across borders will be a thing. We would love to set up, you know, satellite blending houses in in every whiskey producing market that, that we can, basically, because I think the, the days of a global spirits industry that is about shipping small boxes of precious liquid from one end of the world to the other are numbered. And we definitely want to tell local stories with local blends and you know, there's incredible whiskies everywhere now. So why limit ourselves to just pulling from Scotland? We're doing Scotch because we're here. It, it's now, it's our experiences, but we can't wait to, you know, our export model is go somewhere and start up again, you know, in the way that we have here. So that's, that's the plan. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Let us abuse your lab here down in Leith, not Edinburgh. Uh, and obviously, tasting through your great whiskies. So impressed with them, guys. Good luck with everything. Um, I know they're going to be a success. For those that want to hear more about them, check out their website, the Woven website at wovenwhiskey.com. Uh, give the lads that we follow on Instagram as well. Uh, they're at Woven Whiskey. Uh, thank you for everyone who's been listening. Keeping it out for the next episode, we have a special guest, another special guest, not as special as these two, a different type of special. Uh, he's Welsh, isn't he? He is Welsh. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very Welsh. Welsh. Yeah, I don't know if you can do subtitles on a podcast, but we'll try our best. We're going to be joined by our good mate, Craig Holmes, who at the start of lockdown basically didn't know anything, hadn't really tried anything really around scotch whiskey at all no. and he's now a massive super geek so what we're going to do with craig is talk about how do you get in to whiskey for the first time and through our times as brand ambassadors you know we've played a part in a lot of people's journeys and how they got interested into whiskey how they traveled to scotland and visited their first distillery and craig has done all of that through lockdown so we're going to quiz him his experiences as a newbie and discuss how inclusive whiskey can be so until the next time, may the angel share be with you and may all your whiskies be creamy and luscious just like Daz's man boobs. <laughs> <laughs>catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started the secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com.